Well, this morning we looked at a parable in Luke 14. We looked at the very first part of that parable, and tonight I want to invite you to turn back to Luke 14, and I uh, want to share the very end of the story that we did not talk about this morning, Luke chapter 14. And we're going to read the parable again just to refresh our memory if you were here this morning. Luke 14, beginning in verse 16. Remember, uh, Jesus is eating uh, in someone's house, and uh, there's a Pharisee there. In fact, there's, there's religious leaders. And one of the Pharisees, when they're talking about re- spiritual things, one of the Pharisees uh, talks about how wonderful it's going to be uh, to be in heaven. What he didn't know is... He wasn't going to heaven. He was lost. And so in response to that religious man talking about heaven, Jesus gave this parable. And remember, a parable is just simply a story that illustrates a spiritual truth. Beginning in verse 16 of Luke 14, Jesus said, he said to him, this is Jesus talking to the religious person. It, it kind of would be like if Jesus was here. Now, now I'm not Jesus. He knows everything. And let's say a deacon came up and said, boy, it's going to be awesome to be in heaven. And Jesus looks at that deacon and says, well, you're not going to heaven. Or like when I was 14 or 15, a member of a church, and I said, well, I tell you, I sure do love church. It's going to be great to be in heaven. Jesus might look at me and say, well, you've deceived yourself. Just because you're a member of a Baptist church doesn't mean you're going to heaven. And he tells this parable that tells us how easy it is to waste an opportunity. Now, think about this. It's always bad to waste an opportunity to experience God. But when Jesus is the one doing the witnessing, now think about this. When Jesus is the one telling you who he is, verbally, I mean, you're hearing him. And to miss God, that's why I think Judas is one of the most tragic figures in all of history because he hung around Jesus for three and a half years and somehow never bothered to get saved. It's an interesting thing. Well, uh, he said to him, Jesus said to the religious man, A certain man gave a great supper and invited many. And he sent his servants at supper time to say to those who were invited, Come, for all things are now ready. But they all with one accord began to make excuses. The first said to him, I bought a piece of ground, and I must go and see it. I ask you to have me excused. And another said, I have bought five yoke of oxen. I'm going to test them. I also ask you to have me excused. And still another said, I have married a wife, and therefore I cannot come. So that servant came and reported all these things to his master. Then the master of the house, being angry, said to his servant, Go out quickly into the streets and lanes of the city, and bring in here the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind. And the servant said, Master... It's done just as you commanded, and still there's room. Then the master said to the servant, Go into the highway and hedges and compel them to come in, that my house may be filled. For I say to you that many of those men who were, that all those men who were invited shall not taste of my supper. Uh, Just a little review this morning, we talked about the simplicity of this parable, the uh, man who gave the great banquet, as we would call it, who gave the tremendous banquet, invited everybody. Uh, the servant refers to him as the master. He represents God. Uh, the servant is just a human instrument who extends the invitation. That's what I'm doing tonight. I'm, I'm coming tonight, 
And I'm not saying put your Bible aside. I, I wrote a real cute story. Well, my stories wouldn't mean anything. That's why we look at Scripture. And so I'm simply coming as a servant saying, look at what Jesus said 2,000 years ago, and uh, let's apply it to where we are today. And the banquet in this parable uh, is salvation. Now, I will say this, this little aside. All through Scripture, God invites us to experience various things. He invites us to prayer. He invites us to witness. He invites us to live a holy life and all these things. But here in this parable, he's talking about eternal life. Now, the problem with these excuses, and if you remember an excuse, the way it's used here, is simply an alibi intended to avoid blame or punishment. You'll, you'll, you'll find their uh, excuses to be very common. In other words, uh, these excuses never uh, accept any kind of personal blame. Let me give you something you may find humorous. Uh, a long time ago, I used to do a lot of revivals out of state, like in Alabama, places like that. And so uh, I lived at that time in Loganville. And uh, so I'd be somewhere in Alabama. And, and, you know, when you do a revival, folks always want to know your history. Tell them about your wife. Tell them about this. Tell me about this. Uh, sometimes I thought I'd just write, write a little paper and just hand it to them and save all the talking. But uh, they ask all these questions. And so one question is, where are you from, Loganville? Where is that? Because nobody knows where Loganville is. And I'd say, what's in Metro Atlanta? And often some would say this. Wow, you know Charles Stanley. And I think, well, I don't, city of three or four million people, I don't really bump into him every day or anything, but I know who he is like you know who he is. And Pastor David, this was interesting. I had so many people, and I've done probably 150 revivals in Alabama, who would say something like this. Well, I listen to Charles Stanley every week on television, and then they'd say this. Well, I tell you, if I could be in a church like that, well, I'd really be on fire for God. Now, you know, that's an excuse. Because the problem is this, God's given you his Bible, his Holy Spirit, Jesus died on the cross for you, but if I just had Charles Stanley, and what they don't realize is, about half the folks I know that go to First Atlanta, they ain't no better than those people who live in Alabama. They don't do it either. <laughs> and that's what an excuse is. An excuse is something that sounds good, but it never accepts any personal responsibility. A couple, three weeks ago, I was at a conference, it was a real small conference, and I heard uh, a couple of guys talking, and uh, one of them was talking, they're lay people, one of them was talking about the fact he had just been ordained to be a deacon, is what I picked up him saying. And uh, then he said, and also a couple weeks from now, I'm going to start teaching a, a Sunday class in the youth department. And he named something else he was doing. There was two or three guys around, and one of them said, called him by name, he said, Bob, but be careful, uh, you're you going to burn out. And, and we make these excuses, but you ever notice we use those terms like I'm going to burn out, it's only in religious life. For example, uh, if someone says, uh, I've got season tickets to uh, see the Georgia Bulldogs, I don't ever hear them say, but be careful. Uh, too, too much of that going, you're gonna you, you, you won't like Georgia after this year. We never say that, do we? But, but, but the excuses, just like these excuses, they're, they're laughable, and, and they are. Until you stop and think about the fact that it kept them out of heaven. But it's laughable. I mean, I bought a piece of ground. Yeah, what about it? Well, I can't come because I'm going to go see what it looks like. Really? I bought some oxen, which in our day we'd say, I just bought me a new car. I'd love to come, but I'm going to go test drive that car. Really? You mean you didn't test drive it before you bought it? And we use these terms like, for example, I've been doing this for 30 years, and I have personally never seen anybody burned out. Could you imagine if I came into the church today with Pastor David, we walked through the, the doors, and we're talking, and I step over a body. What's that? He burned out a couple of weeks ago, and that's where we left him. 
And, 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 and that's what excuses are. There's something that never really happens, but we use them. Now, here's the problem with excuses. The problem is, is that the last verse that we didn't talk about today, God says something. Now, only God would know this as far as he, he knows it in advance. We don't. We, I know it in hindsight, but I don't know it in advance. Verse 24, God said this. It's very solemn. God says, well, go out and compel people to come in. In verse 24, because I'm going to tell you something. None of those men who said no will ever come again. In the Greek, it's real strong. It's bad English. The master says, I'll tell you, none of those men will ever. No, not ever. Never. You see, these men received their final call. They just didn't know it. Now, I know in hindsight, uh, for example, this is, happens quite often, more than you think it would. I often preach an event like this. And on a Monday or Tuesday, often, I can't count the times. A pastor may call me and say, I can't come to lunch today. There's been a death. I assume people die in Athens, don't they? They're, they're, they're everywhere. It seems, pre, seems pretty universal. And often a pastor will say, be in prayer for me. One of our students was going to school today, and well, somebody ran a traffic light, and they're dead. Now, because I'm human, I always ask this. A pastor, were they in the service yesterday? Oh, yeah, they were. Well, you know where I'm going with this because I'm human. Pastor, let me ask you a question. I believe they're in heaven? And I always rejoice when a pastor says, you know, as far as a human can know, I'm confident they're in heaven. But when a pastor says, and I've heard this so often, a pastor says, you know, only God knows what could happen in that last moment of a person's life. But to the best of my knowledge, I believe they're in hell. And I always step back from that and begin to pray and think, you know, Lord, it's a serious thing. When you stand to preach, because I don't know like Jesus. So Jesus knows the future. He, he knows everything. Jesus could look at my life and say, on such and such date, heart attack, car wreck, here, cancer. Here's what's going to happen. could be old age. Here's what's going to happen. I don't know that. But I do know that if I preach tonight and the more David calls me and says, be in prayer, uh, one of our 40-year-old men just, just went to work. and We don't know why. It just, just fell down dead. I know if I ask the question, well, Brother David, was he was in church at both services. Well, David was in heaven, as far as you know, or is he? I, I do have enough sense to know that the message I gave was the final call. And this is really what this parable is about. The parable is primarily about the fact it's a great invitation. They make all these excuses. But really the parable is about this. The parable is about the fact that if you're not careful, you're going to waste your invitation. Now, in life, we have a lot of last things. For example, there was the last day that I was a high school student. There was the last day that I was a college student. Uh, some of you, my mom died a year and a half ago, and my brother and sister and I get together, and sometimes we'll talk about the last Thanksgiving we were together. Now, we didn't know it when we were experiencing that last Thanksgiving. But you know where I'm going with this. Life is full of last things. Now, we don't like last things, or at least I don't, as much as I like first things. You know, first things are you know, the first car, the, you know, the first this, the first that. But this is about the last, last call. And I want you to listen tonight. I'm not going to be long. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to uh, make three brief statements. 
about the final call. We're all going to have, we, we, we know that. That's just the way life is. And then I'm going to ask three quick questions. And I've been praying uh, this afternoon that if you're here tonight, whether you're a church member, not a church member, young or old, doesn't matter, but you don't have that certainty that you're going to heaven, that you would understand that what Jesus is doing here is an act of love. He's letting us know, don't mess around when it comes to salvation because you never know when the final call is going to happen. Uh, first, let me say this about the final call. The final call is always unannounced. You ever notice that? It's always unannounced. Now, I can prove that. Nobody came in here tonight, and as you walked in, an angel stood with a sign, and the sign said, you've heard the gospel 5,268 times. you got four more opportunities. The reality is, you never know when the final call is going to come. You never know when that last opportunity is going to happen. Uh, the, these men said, no, I bought land, I bought oxen, married a wife. Well, the story doesn't say this. The servant doesn't say, well, I'm not supposed to tell you this. But when the Father and Son and Holy Spirit sent me to talk to you, as I shut the door, I heard him say, those three men better come. I've invited him and invited him. This is the last time. So I, I just want to let you, I'm not supposed to tell you this, but if you say no this time, you will never have another opportunity. Well, if God did that, probably what would happen is the man said, that's the case, I'll leave, I'll leave uh, my ox. If that's the case, I won't see the land. A uh, married man probably said, I'm, I'm going. What's your wife? She worry about her. She worry about herself. I'm, I'm going. I'm going to come as quick as I can. But see, God doesn't operate that way, does he? In fact, let me tell you about the final call. God even arranged the universe where he doesn't say, everybody's going to live to be 80 years old in two days. You know why? If he did that, you know what we'd do? A lot of us would say, well, I'm only 75. I don't have to get saved tonight. I mean, that, that's how we think. But you know, the reality is what God does is uh, God comes in and death comes in any time. In other words, we got a youth, youth group here tonight. You know how life works? I may outlive some of the youth much older than they are. I may outlive some of them by 20 or 30 years because that's the way life is. It's always unannounced. But because we don't grasp that, we sit here tonight, we almost can yawn every week in church during the invitation because we just think, you know, like these three men, well, I'm not going to come now, but I'm going to come one day. And I'm going to say what I said this morning. These three men had already been invited. It was an RSVP invitation. Didn't have telephones, didn't have emails, didn't have uh, text messages, didn't have a post office. And so these servants had already went out, and as they invited folks, the ones who said something like this, sure would love to come, but I'm going to be out of town uh, during the time frame of when you're going to have this, or I'm going to uh, be in another country uh, working for someone else. They didn't get a second invitation. And that's why when we read the parable, the servants come, and the servants say, come on. Uh, they're preparing the, uh, the meal. They're, 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 they've already killed the animals. They're, they're already doing the cooking. By the time you get there, everything's going to be ready. The master's taking care of everything. Come on. And that's why that word but is used. The word but, they all begin to make excuse. Contrary, if you look in the dictionary, but means contrary to expectation. In other words, they all said during the first invitation that we don't have in the Bible, I'm going to come. RSVP me. I'm going to be at that wedding. I'm going to be at that banquet. I'm going to in the spiritual terms, I'm going to go to heaven. But when the servant came back and said, well, come on, everything's ready, all of a sudden, uh, they made an excuse. 
But when you read it, I'm reading from the New King James, it doesn't use this word, but it's in the Greek, it may be in your translation. And some of the modern translations, like the New American Standard, will say, please have me excuse. In other words, uh, they didn't look at the servants and say, no, nah, I bought oxen. I'm not interested. No, they didn't say that. What they said was, uh, listen, I just bought a piece of land. I sure would love to come. It's, it's still a bad excuse, but they are very nice. What they wanted the servant to do, they wanted the servant to go back, put in a good word for me. In other words, I'm coming one day. One day I'm going to make the right decision. It's our spiritual terms. They're saying, I'm not going to go to hell. Uh, I haven't made that decision yet. But one of these days I'm going to do it. The problem is it was their last call, and they didn't know it was their last call because the last call is always unannounced. Second thing about the last call is this. The last call is always unexpected. It is. Let me, let me give you an example. I don't talk about death. I'm not a preacher who does that. Billy Sunday, who was the kind of the Billy Graham in the 1920s and 1930s, he said, I'll stop talking about death when people stop, stop dying. Well, they don't ever stop dying, so we talk about death every once in a while. But I've preached enough of these that I promise you, if tomorrow during the day somebody here tonight or somebody who was here this morning dies, let me tell you what you won't do. If someone says, did you hear about so-and-so? And let's say so-and-so is 30 years old. He died today. You know what you won't do? You won't say, what's the big deal? We all die. Preacher said yesterday. He preached on it last night. Final call. What's the big deal? You know what you'll do? You hear about so-and-so? He died today. You'll say, I can't believe it. I shook his hand during the walk. I can't. I mean, they were in our youth group. I sat right by him Sunday night or Sunday morning. I can't believe it. They were up on the stage when we were singing. That's always the way it happens. It's always an unexpected thing. You remember what I'm saying? When, when someone passed away, it's always unexpected. I was in Savannah a few years ago, and uh, it's a pretty good-sized church, and, and we had one of those meetings where you just have a lot of people make professions of faith, and they had a student night. And uh, on this side, I'll never forget, on this side, they probably had about 80 to 100 students, no more than 100, but 80 to 100 students over there. And, and Pastor Dave, it was one of those nights where it, it, all week it went well, and uh, the music seemed to went, go well that night. But when I was preaching, uh, all the adults and, and young couples, uh, you, they, they were getting it. But for some reason, I'd glance over at the youth, and you just one of those nights, you just think, I'm just, my mind, I just don't think they're getting it. And I preached and preached and preached, and uh, just, just a very small harvest. It's very unusual because that's the night we usually have a harvest, and we, we'd seen such a harvest all week. And I turned over to the pastor and and went on this side, and, and I stood, and he began to close the invitation. As he was closing it out, preached a message kind of like this. As he was closing it out, uh, a deacon walked up to me, and I knew something was going on. And uh, the pastor looked visibly shaken. I did five or six revivals for him, knew him well. And all of a sudden, he did this and stopped the music, and he began to weep. He said, uh, church, I hate to tell you this, but he named two students. He said uh, they were going to come to church tonight, but on the way here, apparently... Somebody ran traffic light, and they both died. And as soon as he said that, I'm standing there. I look over that youth group, and before I could even have my head turned, it looked like half the youth, they began to cry. You know why? Because even though I had preached the message, when they got the news that two of their friends had died, they didn't say, what's the big deal? Preacher just got through talk saying we're all going to die. You know why? Because death was the furthest thing from their mind. And even though we all know we're going to die, 
And we're going to have our last call. It's always unannounced, and it's always unexpected. And by the way, I'm talking about death because we see the finality of it. You know, the reality, Jesus doesn't say these three men are going to die. He just says they're not going to get saved. You say, well, how can that happen? Uh, it can happen because sometimes there are folks who hear the gospel so, so many times, and I don't understand this, but they just be, get kind of a hard heart. That's why both Old and New Testament Scripture says, let not your heart be hardened. I'm working with a guy right now, been working on three or four years, and I'd say about the first three years I'm around him, eat breakfast with him, just, just read books together. But the last few times I've texted him, he hasn't even texted me back. And I've just seen a change in his, his relationship with God, and he's doing some things he shouldn't be doing. The last call is always an unexpected call. And the third thing about the last call is this. The last call is unchangeable. One thing I like about God is this. God covers all the bases. You ever know something about God? I mean, I mean, he doesn't leave anything to doubt. I'll give you an example. I understand logically that we're going to die. I mean, I, I'd never expect the turn on the world news and the commentator says Harvard's done a study and after three years they've discovered that 100 out of 100 people will die sometime in their life. I mean, we don't have those studies because, well, we already know that we all die. But God says this, Hebrews 9, 27, it's appointed unto man which means man and women, wants to die. And the word appointment means there's a set time. Now, I don't understand all this. I, I, I'm not getting the predestination or free will. All I know is that God is God. He can look into the future. He could have done this a million years ago, and he could say there's going to come a date where a guy named Steve Fox is going to be born, and on this specific date, he's going to pass on. It's an unchanging thing. Now, uh, I live my life, some of you probably do this, by appointments. I've got a daytime. I've got things written on my desk. I mean, I'm always checking what I'm going to do. But, but you know what God can do? God's got an appointment book. He could say, there it is. Now, I wouldn't want to know it. There, there it is. Oh, well, there's what? Well, there's the day you're going to stand before me, really. And with some of us, he's going to say, yeah, uh, it's going to be a highway accident, really. It's going to be a workplace shooting. Really? It's going to be an unexpected heart attack. Really? And the list goes on and on and on. With all that in mind, let me ask you three quick questions. If this was your final call, do you know for sure you'd go to heaven? Now think about that. If this was the final opportunity you were ever going to have, you're about to have an invitation, and if this was the final opportunity, and by the way, when I say you're about to have an invitation, that's not totally correct. Why? Because I've actually preached a few services but before the invitation. As I'm preaching, the EMT comes and carries folks out. So even that is not a guarantee. If you ask me what I'm going to do tomorrow, I'm going to come back to Beach Haven. But now if you really got technical and said, are you 100% sure you're going to be here tomorrow night? No, I'm not 100% sure. Because I'm not 100% sure that I'll live to see tomorrow. Because if Jesus tarries, there will be a day that I don't live to see that day. That's just the way life is. And so, as Jesus talks about the final call, if this was the final call for you, like it was for these three men, are you absolutely certain you'd go to heaven? Let me ask you a second question, and this is for the Christian. If in the next 30 days you are going to go and stand before God, you're going to heaven, would you want to meet God in your spiritual condition? Now, what I mean by that is this. Even though you're going to heaven... If you knew you were going to meet God, 
are there any changes you would make? Let me give you an example. When I was a pastor, one time we had a man, I guess he was probably in his early 70s, he passed away, by the way, unexpected, just picture of health, just got one day and didn't live to see the end of that day. A couple weeks after he died, a man in the church came to me in tears. And he said, Pastor Steve, you wouldn't know this. This is a pretty good-sized church. He said, you, would, you wouldn't know this. But he said, about 20 years ago, we were really good friends. And he said, uh, we haven't spoken probably in 10 years. Then he said this. He said, had I known that man was going to go to heaven. He said, go to his reward. He said, I, I'd have got with him. And I'd have made things right. He said, it really grieves me to think that he left this earth and our relationship wasn't all it should be. So that's what I'm talking about. If you, if you knew that in the next 30 days as a Christian, you're going to stand before God. Is there anything you'd kind of change in your life? And the third thing I would ask you is this. Are you certain that you're going to have another call? In other words, is there anybody here who could say, I hear what you're saying, Steve, but I'll be honest with you, I think I'm going to have a lot more opportunities. I understand what Jesus is saying here in this parable. I just don't think it applies to me because I just think there's going to be a whole lot more opportunities to hear the gospel. There's nobody, I believe, who'd be arrogant enough to say, you know why? Proverbs 27, 1 says, don't boast about tomorrow for you don't know what a day will bring forth. Uh, think about this. Uh, here in Athens, great university, there's some smart folks that teach at University of Georgia. But think about this. You, you could pool their intelligence, and they all together don't know what tomorrow's going to bring. Isn't that right? They don't know what the next phone call is going to bring. They, they have no clue because only God knows what a new day may bring. And so I want to ask you, from this parable Jesus told me, he he said a lot in just a few words as only he could do. And he tells this religious man, you think you're going to heaven. You think because you're religious, everything's going to be all right. And if you read the statement I didn't read right before his response to the man, it's almost like an exclamation. Uh, Jesus is talking about a spiritual thing, and the man just says, wow. He gets caught in the It's going to be awesome to be in heaven. And Jesus says, let me tell you a story. Because Jesus loved him so much, he wanted him to understand what it meant and what would have to occur to go to heaven. I want every head bowed, every eyes closed. We're going to have an invitation, just like this kind of an invitation. I'm the servant, and I've tried to do my best to send the message from the master. Come for all things are ready. And like I said this morning, it's real easy to give an alibi. It's real easy to give an excuse. There's a hundred of them. But if you're here tonight and you're not sure, and I'm just going to ask you that question. Just, just between you and God, I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands. It's going to be between you and God. But are you certain you're going to heaven? I mean, you just don't have any doubt you're going to heaven. If the answer is... Steve, I know I'm not going to heaven. Or the answer is, I, I'm, I'm fairly sure, but I do, have a, I do have some doubts there. Let me ask this question. Why would you leave here tonight without the assurance that I'm going to heaven? Now, as far as doubts, you can have doubts and be a Christian. You can have a doubts and go to heaven. But the problem with the doubt is, it means you're not sure. And why in the world would you leave a service like this when you have pastors and staffs 
who are so willing and longing to help you. But for those of you who'd say, I, I know I'm not going to heaven. I, I've never made that decision. Maybe this parable speaks to you. Then you would say, see, what would I need to do to accept this invitation? Well, first thing you need to do is just repent. It's what the Bible says. Just, just make a U-turn. Uh, stop going the direction you're going. Confess your sin. Second thing you ought to do is put faith in Jesus. So what does that mean? Uh, just believe. Believe that Jesus died on the cross. Believe Jesus uh, rose from the dead. Believe that what Jesus did on the cross takes your sins away. And third thing is, as you pray, ask the Lord, Lord, I, I want to start right now living under your lordship. I, I want to obey you. Uh, nobody's going to be perfect. Nobody's going to obey, obey and complete. But Lord, I want to live as close to you as I can live. By the way, the first step of obedience for the person who is a new Christian is to publicly profess Christ. Somebody says, why y'all give an invitation? Because we try to do what Jesus did. Jesus always called people publicly. Jesus always uh, called people out from the crowd. Who touched me? Zacchaeus, come down. He, he always called people publicly. And Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'm going to confess you before the Father in heaven. If you don't confess me before men and you deny me, I'm going to deny that I know you. We're going to have an invitation time. Real simple. These messages are simple. I'm going to pray a prayer. We're going to stand. The staff's going to be down front. And if you're not sure you know Christ, or if you've recently given your life to Jesus, come down and let one of these guys know. If you made that decision recently, just, just come and tell one of these guys, I've recently prayed that prayer. They'll know what you mean. It's not a hard thing. If you need to make that decision tonight, just come down, look at Dr. Mills or any of these pastors, and just say, I, I'm just not sure. They'll know exactly what you mean because they've heard the whole message. I'm not sure. But let me encourage you, don't waste the invitation. Don't waste the opportunity. Don't procrastinate so long that one day you receive your final call and you won't know it until it's too late. Don't let that day happen. Father, we come before you tonight thankful for folks who came out in a rainstorm, thankful for the opportunity to exalt your son, Jesus Christ. Lord, thankful that Jesus took the time to tell a classic parable to a religious man who did not even know you. And, Lord, you're allowing us today to learn some lessons about excuses and procrastination, wasting the opportunity to know you. So, Father, I give this invitation time, and I pray. I know this church has been praying. Lord, if there's just one person here tonight, whether it's a student, whether it's a, a dad, whether it's a religious person, whether it's a senior adult, who's just not certain, Father, I pray tonight, give them the courage to take that step for you. Father, we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to ask you to be with us. Stand tonight. Invitation will not last long. They, they're over before you know it. Pastor David's down front. The staff's down front. If you need to come as the song begins, take